We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations of the Coast Salish peoples. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we are grateful to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and speak up about oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoke. I am your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoke individuals related to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join me in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Kids, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate what makes both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture so special. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our signature tee that features rad monoline illustrations of surfers shredding it up on each of the Great Lakes. Visit freshwatersurfbids.com for yours today. And be sure to check out our stand-up paddleboard school. With future plans to relocate to Southern Ontario, we currently offer basic and advanced courses private lessons, tours, custom experiences, and sup yoga in the waterways of beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Connect with Mother Ocean, have fun, enjoy good company, and the West Coast sights and wildlife as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to merge with their higher self so they may spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful technologies such as kundalini yoga and the Hawaiian art of ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. Enjoy community, connection, and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. In this episode, I chat with Canada's first female pro surfer, and member of the first family of Canadian surfing, Catherine Brewiler. Catherine is a lifelong local Tofino surfer who loves to spend most of her time in the ocean. She is a talented surfer with beautiful style and an incredible ambassador for her hometown of Tofino, BC, as a first-generation surfer in Canada. Nowadays, she is also a surf coach and surf mom of one of Canada's first surfing Olympic hopefuls, Caleb Brewiler Temple. Catherine represented Canada at the Pan American Games in 2019 
as one of the first members of the Canadian surf team. As one of the nine qualified subsurf females in the Americas, this was an unbelievable dream come true for one of Canada's first professional surfers. Catherine has two children, nine nieces and nephews, and a grandchild that she loves to surf with. Catherine grew up surfing in the cold waters of the Pacific Northwest on the northern Vancouver Island with her three brothers at a time when there were no other females in the water. Growing up on the rugged beaches, they would explore and hike through dense forests, remote beaches, often in massive rainstorms, looking for remote beaches to surf. They would camp out in the wilderness for days at a time on their surf trips, fishing and foraging for their meals. She and her brothers were young pirates exploring the coast of Vancouver Island and often other countries on their quest for their golden treasure, the perfect wave. These cold remote waters and forests of Canada are home to Catherine. Catherine is an inspiration and an ambassador for young girls as she has won the Women's National Canadian Surf title many times and makes the podium in every long distance paddleboard race and surf contest she enters. She won the 2017 and 2019 Canada's National Women's Sup Surf Championships and in December of 2017 and 2018 in Peru, qualified for a spot on the Canadian team for the 2019 Pan American Games. She continues competing and winning awards in both local and international surf and sup events. Catherine helps run the local board riders surf club on Canada's west coast and runs the annual free and very well-attended kids surf contest, the Brewweiler Kids Surf Classic. She does this with her family. Catherine often travels with the junior Canadian surf team as a coach. And as a Paddle Canada and ISA SUP and surf instructors, and as an instructor trainer for Flatwater SUP, SUP surfing, surfing and SUP touring, she coaches surfing and paddleboarding full-time. She loves surfing, and with coaching the local kids, she's very committed to inspiring and motivating the younger surfers to keep their aspirations and passions alive. Catherine is an active volunteer and an ambassador for a few environmental organizations, including Surfrider Foundation, and helps promote education around protection of the ocean and beaches. Her business, events, and personal brand team up to fundraise, educate, and promote environmental action. She believes that in sharing her love of nature with others and helping them fully enjoy it, she can help foster inspiration in others to care and protect the ocean. When she's not teaching and coaching surfing with her brothers, Sep and Raph, or out on the water paddleboarding, she'll be found traveling, camping, and surfing the remote coastal surf breaks with her family and friends, finding new waves and slices of heaven on Vancouver Island's remote coastline. With her vast experience growing up on the ocean and surfing, Catherine brings a wealth of local knowledge to all her endeavors. Catherine is sponsored by Werner Paddles, Lift to Surf, and Aftanis Surfboards, and she's the proud owner and operator of Tofino Paddle Surf. Hope you love this episode. It was recorded on June 6, 2020, and it is family friendly with minor swearing, but no F-bombs. Catherine, welcome to Permastoke. How are you? Hi, I'm stoked. How are you? Right on. I'm great. It's great to see you. Happy International Surfing Day. Yeah, I just put two and two together and uh, I was pretty, pretty happy that I get to talk to you on this special day. Yeah. Did you celebrate that somehow? Well, pretty much. Yeah. I didn't really realize it was International Surfing Day until tonight, but I surfed all day long. So I figure that's a pretty, pretty good way to celebrate. Perfect. Yeah. So are you back up and running Tofino paddle surf now with all this COVID stuff or? Yeah, we, um, we opened up with the resort, um, where we operate. They opened on June 1st and we opened on June 4th, um, with the BC parks. Um, I, my thought there was that I didn't want to kind of add to the craziness of, of our local beaches here in Tofino. There's already, they're already so overcrowded at the moment and they were especially overcrowded when the parks were closed. Mm. Um, so I thought if any of my rental boards were going to go out, I would 
I would wait till there was a little bit more space for everyone. Um, so yeah, it worked out really well. And you know, it's it's been interesting with all the new policies and we actually have a brand new shop right on the beach that we're really excited about. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so we, we had a big move, um, kind of unplanned, but it all worked out in the end. And uh, we also, um, yeah, we just didn't know what to expect, you know, so like most businesses, we weren't really staffed uh, appropriately especially because a lot of our, our staffing comes from out of town and nobody was traveling and nobody knew if they should come and move here and all that yeah. good stuff. So I've, I've been working working very hard and today was was my big day off to, nice. to celebrate surfing. Yeah. So is Tofino comfortable having outsiders come back in now or are people still a bit weary? Um, it's, I would say there's definitely mixed feelings. Hmm. You know, as you can imagine, uh, Tofino was interestingly quiet. <laughs> it definitely reminded me of the old days oh, um, yeah. through the winter, sometimes almost to the point where it was eerie. I'd drive out onto the street and there just wouldn't be another car mm. like forever. Like I drive to town and I wouldn't see another car. And it was, wow. yeah, it was really cool. Um, so I think a lot of people kind of really appreciated it and kind of remembered what it was like to kind of have our town back mm -hmm. um, for the people who do live here. And, um, you know, so it, it's been interesting. Obviously, there's there's the future to think about. I don't know what winter is going to be like. We mm -hmm. missed out on spring break. You know, April and May are usually big months for us. Yeah. Um, and June, obviously, is a little bit slower. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think for the most part, people are happy to be back at work. Um, making us feel like we might be able to eat this winter. Yeah. <laughs> Although we always have Dungeness and salmon and rice to defer to, but um, yeah. And then, and then there's just, you know, just respecting the, the first nations communities too. Um, and, you know, their wishes to keep their, their knowledge keepers um, healthy and safe. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, I think there's mixed feelings and I think, in general, we're pretty happy to have people back and kind of go back to feeling a little bit normal. Um, and everyone's just being careful. Yeah. You know, and and lucky for us, the majority of what we do is just outdoor living. Yeah, we are exactly. here to enjoy the outdoors. And um, yeah, there's just not really any danger on the beach or in the surf. Just keep one board in between you and another person and you're fine, probably. That's right. No party waves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you were mentioning that, uh, you know, it's pretty quiet and you might have to go eating directly from the sea. So I was... You know, in preparation for this interview, I usually do, you know, I do some research and it's really been fun because I've read some books and articles and things. But for you, there was like an overload of content, especially video content. And one video was kind of freaking me out. You had all this oil on you and you were like, oh, my God, there's this oil spill. And even though this video is like six years old. I'm seeing it for the first time and I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? But it was like, what was this? Some kind of fossil fuels, like almost like an April Fool's joke, but bringing yeah. awareness for oil spills. Well, it, I got to say, it makes me happy to to think that that you believed me. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> yeah. consider myself a very good actor at all. Wow. Yeah. I was sold. That was Oscar winning <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we work pretty closely with a couple of the different uh, environmental groups. Um, and that was a project that was put on by um, one of the local groups called Clackwood Action. And they're super involved um, with the protection of the wild salmon um, and the elimination of the salmon farms. So it was, you know, I can't remember. I think it was an April Fool's. Yeah, I think it was an April Fool's joke. Um, but it was, you know, to get the attention of people. And and uh, it was during the time um, I am trying to remember. But yeah, it was with the um, with the pipeline and and then just the you know the 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 worry of the the oil tankers going by our coastline and and um, you know the inevit inevitability of of something bad happening and mm -hmm. the world ending up on our beaches so yeah yeah so I, I if you know if those sorts of things are asked of me from from my friends who run those groups or from anyone I'm like always happy to help in any way I can and um, if I can if I can act and <laughs> yeah. 
scare someone and make them think twice and then I'm happy with that. Yeah, for sure. You know, living in the city, it sort of feels like out of sight, out of mind a lot of the times, but watching that video and being such a a lover of Tofino and appreciating everything about it, I could really feel just how devastating that would actually be if something were to happen. Like that would be terrible. Yeah. Well, that's really cool to to hear your perspective on that. That that was was the intention of the video. So yeah, well, it worked. It worked on me anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, on, on that note too, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I sort of consider my mission is to um, help people love and enjoy the ocean and surfing, you know, whether it's paddleboarding or swimming or boogie boarding or whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. um, in hopes that exactly like you said, if you start to love it, then you, you know, you feel a a connection and, and the, you know, the desire to protect and and do something about, about devastation is a little bit closer to home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So in my deep dive on the internet, you know, there were tons of videos and I got to watch a really cool video. I think it was called Brewiler Country. So how do you feel about that term, by the way? Like, (sighs) oh, I don't know. That, that video is also just a joke, but (laughs) (laughs) oh, the good old internet. Um, Yeah, that was actually a project that was spearheaded by a production company, company out of LA. Um, And they wanted to uh, potentially do a reality show, which we then just were like, we just didn't really want to turn into the Kardashians or anything like that. What would it have been called, like surfing Canucks, or like what was the angle? Uh, well, that that was it. it I mean, yeah. I have a pretty big and um, diverse family, and there's always lots going on. And then we have all our friends and all the crazy characters in Tofino, and mm-hmm. you know, more than enough stuff to to entertain. Yeah, but I think. I mean, I don't watch TV, um, so I'm kind of a bad judge of, of any of it. But I, from what I know of reality TV, it's it's pretty contrived, and uh, yeah, it's just not a not a healthy place to be a part yeah. of. I don't think. Yeah, they want drama. They want drama, and I do not want drama. Yeah, yeah I uh, I can I can go for that. So, but it was a really cool video, though, in terms of capturing a bit of your childhood and. You know, so maybe tell us a bit about growing up, these two brothers, you guys were out in the woods a lot and got into surfing. Like, what did your childhood look like? Um, it was pretty idyllic, actually. We, I think we were really lucky. We grew up um, right on the beach when there wasn't much else there. Um, and there were, you know, it was cool because there were a, lot, a bunch of families there and none of us went to school and there were tons of kids and we were just kind of like a wild bunch roaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Back in those days, you know, obviously there were no cell phones and stuff. And I compare my upbringing to my, even my children's upbringing, you know, I kind of, for the most part, knew where they were and what they were doing, but I was not like that for us. Like we were just out and I don't even remember talking to my parents like once ever after I was five. I was just like, see ya. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, and you know, it was kind of by accident that we got into surfing, um, but that's kind of a, an entire other story. And um, yeah, it was just kind of really just the Wild West, like how you would sort of imagine it. You know, our playground was the islands and the rocks and the forest, and we'd set up camp in the summertime, you know, out at Rosie Bay on the grassy field there on the on the point and bring our surfboards and run home for supplies every once <laughs> once in a while. And yeah, it was just, we were just hanging outside. That's just what we did. Yeah. So how'd you end up on a surfboard for the first time? Um, you know, I don't actually remember my very first time on a surfboard, but I do remember my very first green wave, you know, kind of like looking down and seeing like the big, beautiful, like face of the wave and all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. And uh, yeah, I was just reminiscing about that actually today with a friend right at Cox Bay because he said, I think I caught my very first green wave here. And I said, I, yeah, this is exactly where I caught mine too. Um, but, um, my, there was a little surf shop in town and my dad would do a lot of trade work. He's a faller. So he, uh, you know, cut some trees down for the woman who owned it and she got us all these little back then all it was was like a farmer john a little jacket with the 
but but the sleeves were made of plastic, like they were windsurfing jackets. Oh, really? Um, so we would <laughs> wear those. <laughs> we would wear those, um, and then you know we'd go out and play in the waves, and we'd come in with our lips are purple and our hands and our feet were frozen, and we'd all sit in the bath and fight over who got to sit closest to the hot water tap. So that's where the water was the best source of heat, and um, and then at some point. Our neighbor had a surfboard that he, because there, there was a few like expats around and um, they had boards. So our neighbor had one and he took um, his son and then my older brother out surfing a couple times. And, you know, my older brother was hooked and then kind of whatever he did, we did. And mm-hmm. my dad took him down to California. They, we had a Volkswagen van that was like white and orange, like the classic, you know, mm-hmm. brand shell thing and he drove down and came back with a bunch of surfboards for us oh, all and they went on like a little surf mission just to like check it out like and back yeah. then no internet like no connections you just yeah. like get in the get in the van you drive down to san clemente and you pull up and you're like oh my god like surf shops and surfboards and yeah. surf- Whoa. you know so he loaded the car with boards and came back and and gave me this like i think my first board was like a six four it was a quad fin brewer shape and I couldn't surf it at all like I you know was 10 years old and just flailing and couldn't stand up on it and um it took me I think it took me a solid two years to figure out how to stand up on it oh wow and back then there was no coaching there was there were no instructors the equipment was not you know built for <laughs> accessibility i had a man's wetsuit by the time i was 12 a man small that was like huge on the shoulders and i was like practically drowning in it you know <laughs> um and uh yeah it it actually always amazes me because i i teach surfing i started teaching surfing when i was about 13 and i think about the success rate of my students when we go out for a first time lesson and they're actually standing on the board riding all the way to the beach and I'm just yeah. like oh my god it took me two years to figure out how to do that <laughs> um, yeah, so really yeah. makes a difference <laughs> yeah so equipment makes a difference but but like when you just you don't know or yeah we just didn't know anybody yeah. and my dad didn't bring me a soft top to learn on you know, he didn't bring me a nine footer he brought me a like shortboard that was made for you know a 12 foot pipe mm-hmm. so was your dad surfing with you guys too or just the three of no, you figuring no, out? neither of my parents surf but they okay. just yeah they just love hanging out on the beach and you know we lived right on the beach so we just had dinner out there every night and um yeah they really made the most of it and my mom would sit on the beach like she she can swim but she's not you know she's not an ocean person or anything but she would yeah. just sit there and sew or knit or darn socks or whatever she did and just count heads and just like make sure all oh yeah I can still see eight kids out there okay then she'd count again (laughs) if one of us started to drown I don't know if she would have been able to come save us but (laughs) yeah she was just accounted for us anyways. So most kids were at the playground, but you guys were out in the ocean. That's wicked. Yeah. Those yeah. were My your monkey My dad actually boys. built us a big, uh, a huge half pipe in our yard too. So oh, wow. we weren't surfing, then we were doing that. Wow. You had the best of both worlds. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Right on. So you mentioned like, so Tofino, I'm guessing this is the late 70s and 80s. So what did it look like back then compared to now? Like in terms of, you know, I'm aware of the, the town and all the shops and things. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard to remember exactly. But I mean, just to give you an example, when we first, I my parents moved here when I was 11 months old. Um, and they we lived in a trailer that she bought like over mail, like sent a check in the mail to like a second cousin of hers who owned it. Um, Bella Pacifica Campground was a trailer park. Okay. At, where I grew up till I was five. And then um, they scrounged together some dollars and bought a waterfront property um, at South Chesterman's for like 20 grand. Wow. Oh yeah. my word. <laughs> um, and it, it was a gravel road. So that, all the Chesterman's was a gravel road. Um, the Wick Inn wasn't there. You know, Cox Bay had no hotels. Pacific Sands was there, but that was the only one. Um, and yeah, so it, Chesterman's Beach and Cox Bay were part of uh, um, like a regional district that kind of belonged to Port Alberni almost. So there was mm. you know, no taxes, no pavement, no, everyone was on like a, their own sewer and well and all that. And um, and then the district of Tofino got savvy and they thought, well, we should, you know, 
take Chesterman's and have waterfront property taxable. Mm. Um, so at the point that they did that, they came in and, and had everyone hook up into municipal water and sewer, paved the road. And then that year, the taxes went up so high that most of the families had to sell because they just were taxed out of their lots and um, including my parents. So, you know, they sold for very little. And the next year, the properties were worth like four, four times as much or something. Bit of a a sad scene. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a lot of resentment for all these changes and the sort of tourism coming in and things or was it embraced or... I honestly think it was gradual enough that everyone sort of just kind of went with the flow, which is sort of the way it is here anyways. I mean, you don't really necessarily realize how how precious a place is because back then it was it was a logging fishing community. Like mm-hmm. my, my parents literally moved here so that my dad could be a logger mm-hmm. because he couldn't find work anywhere else, you know? So um, I think it's been interesting for sure. And um I do think Tofino has a lot of uh, growing to do and thinking and, and, you know, changing and really like looking into the future um, so that we can adapt in a way that is sustainable for not only the actual physical land, but the beaches and, and for the residents who, who do live here um, because it's, yeah, greed can get in the way, you know, and, uh, yeah. and it's, it's happened and it's happening as we speak. So there definitely needs to be, uh, some conversation around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everyone needs to feel the same way. You know, it's hard when you have people that don't live here that are making a crap ton of money. Um, so they don't care how crowded the beach is, really. Yeah. You know, why would they? But yeah. if you have a family and you take your kids to the beach and they can't even catch a wave because there's 20,000 soft tops doing lessons um, and no sort of cap or regulation around it, mm. um, that's not very fun. <laughs> yeah. So striking, the, finding the balance. Totally. Yeah. Like most things, it's just about finding the balance. And yeah, yeah I think absolutely. it's happening. You know, the conversation is is started and um, I, I think it's I think it's going to go well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you said you started teaching when you were 13. Um, So what did you want to be when you grew up? Or did you just always know you're going to be a pro surfer, dude? Pro surf bum? Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I still maybe do a fault live in the moment. So I, I can't say that I ever thought that I wanted to be this, that, or the other thing. Hmm. Um, just kind of took it a day at a time. At one point after I graduated, I, I went to nursing school um, for three and a half years. And then I decided that that I just couldn't, I just didn't want to do it. I, I did well. And I, I felt like I could do it. But what I what I realized was that um, for what what kind of I was thinking the whole time that I wanted to be a midwife. And I thought, man, I have to work in these horrible hospitals for five years. And then I got to go back to school, which is kind of horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was like that's 10 years of my life. You know, I'm going to be 30 years old by the time I have this thing that I want. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, I just didn't want it bad enough. So I started my own family instead, birthed my own yeah. children. And <laughs> right on, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so, you know, for me, I'm really curious, you know, you guys, so would you be the first female pro surfer in Canada? Yeah. Wow. And your brother, the first guy surfer? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. First, so, first paid professionals, I guess. Yeah. Um, so how does one, I mean, how does that even happen? Like, how do you become the first female pro surfer in Canada? What, what was that story? Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, I owe a lot of it to my brother. I kind of followed in his footsteps for sure on that one. Um, he, you know, was so talented by the time he was 12. There was already a pretty big um, snowboard and surf community from Vancouver. Um, group of guys that would come out and surf and bring boards and they'd have little contests and party their brains out. And we were just like little kids and we'd like come in and join the contest. And, you know, he was like 12 and he would like win against all these big guys. And then my little brother was like 10 and he would get second. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I don't actually know. I, I wish I, I wish I knew. And and I will ask him, but 
I don't actually know how it happened that he first got sponsored. Um, but he also started, well, we all kind of simultaneously were working, you know, surf school stuff, um, teaching surf lessons. And his camp got uh, picked up by Quicksilver and Roxy. So they would sponsor the camps and we would do these big Roxy camps. And um, I just sent them a letter and I said, hey, like I'm teaching all your camps and I think you should give me some free wetsuits. And I just like sent them a little letter in the mail and uh, and they said, okay. And then they started paying me to ride for them. So that was pretty exciting. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So, but at that time, were the tournaments and things, were they coming to Tofino at all or were um, you having to go to other places? Yeah, we did. I mean, we would go to the ISA Worlds um, as juniors we went. Um, so we would travel, you know, to California, Brazil, Portugal, like anywhere where they were. Um, every year we would put a team together and head there. Um and then there would be like little local contests. I think Broxy put on a contest a couple years in a row. Um, when it first started happening, West Beach was putting on little surf contests. Okay. And then my brother and I, with friends, we'd travel down to California and go and do little contests here and there. But um, that was pretty small scale compared to, uh, you know, to, to what the, the kids, like, including my own son, um, are doing now. Like, they're literally traveling around the world, like, doing wow. world circuit contest Incredible. Uh, so, yeah did i read that your son and daughter are are involved in pro surfing uh, my son is my daughter is okay. not oh, she's an okay. artsy musician type very talented okay and uh my son also loves music but he uh yeah he's really into surfing awesome so you know and, and another thing you kind of touched on so like team canada or the surfing team canada i mean how does that even work what's the infrastructure like for that i mean who even organizes <laughs> that and who even how even you know, yeah like how does that even work <laughs> yeah it's uh it's an organization called um, CSA Surf Canada, and um, they put on contests every year. And then pretty much, unfortunately, the team is decided like kind of based on this one contest, mm -hmm. um, which is really hard in surfing because it's a 20 minute heat. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's that's basically how it works. And then anyone who's, you know, a, a Canadian passport holder uh, from around the world is welcome to join and, and try out for the team. Oh, OK. And so I would guess that these this team is just extremely Tofino heavy then. It's it's pretty Tofino heavy. We have um, I actually think we only have two people from Tofino on the team. Okay. Um, the team that was supposed to go to the World ISA event that was going to determine who could go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, so they would have had like whoever went would have had to have done like X amount of good, um, you know, gotten to a certain level to even be considered for the Olympics. Um, so yeah, there was there's Pete and Matea were the two Tofino locals. And then the other guy was is a pro surfer from Australia. Um, who grew up there, and then a professional surfer from Hawaii um, on the male side, and then on the female side, another like WSL, like world champion professional surfer from Hawaii, uh, a woman um, named Paige, and then um, another girl from California called uh, Bethany. But they're all Canadian citizens now, and therefore they, they all have Canadian passports. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't live. They don't live in Canada, um, but they are Canadian. Yes. Oh, I see. Cool. You, you've been out of Tofino a long time. You've seen the trends kind of come and go. Um, and you're working your way up the, the surf ladder. I mean, your statistics are, I mean, are they even written anywhere? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was looking it up. It's like Queen of the Peak this and, you know, Billabong that. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't keep track of this. You know what? It's, it's actually really funny you say that because I, if someone asked me for my resume, like I wouldn't be able to give it to them. Yeah. I have not written it down. I could not tell you. I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah, I've had the fortunate luck to do very well in most of the events I've I've joined. The competition is getting stiffer and stiffer, obviously. Um, you know, people are traveling, they're training harder, they're competing at world class levels. Um, and these are the these are the women that I compete against. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, yeah, you know, I, I'm just happy if I go out there and, and just put up a fight. That's kind of always my attitude. And, and I always manage to do that. So, And I would imagine that there's quite a camaraderie between the athletes. Like, I know you guys are competing against each other, but it's such a niche sort of thing already. Definitely. Yeah, I think the competition really only happens when we're we're out there in the, in the heat of the moment and you know, a heat lasts 20, 20 minutes and then it's mm-hmm. over. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody's friends. Yeah. And then you're, you're high-fiving again. And I mean, even in the water, it's friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I wonder about that too, because I, I am competitive for sure. Like I do like to compete. I do like to win. Uh, I don't like to lose, but, um, but I also don't value it more than I value friendships. I don't Mm. value it more than I value a good time or a smile or high five. Um, And I know that in the, I know it's hurt me, quote unquote, hurt me competitively, but at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I sleep better Mm -hmm. if that's my priority. Um, And I, I've never really experimented with being like super hardcore competitive and i have wondered what that would be like to be so single-mindedly focused um but i just i i don't think i have it in me i have way too many things i love and enjoy and you know i'm a massive family that i absolutely adore and um my daughter who's 22 has a two-year-old daughter so i'm actually a grandma wow yeah Yeah, because I, I read you were the you said something like you wanted to be the first grandma to win the Queen of the Peak. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah, another statistic. Put that on well, your baseball card. Yeah, well, I did. Oh, that's incredible. So when you were growing up, you were basically probably one of the only female serpents. So what has it been like to see that change and that explosion? Yeah, it's been it's been really really cool. Yeah, it's um it's very like I it's very personal to me. I when I as I watch it happen, I I just I just can't almost can't believe how far it's come mm-hmm. and just how many women are out there and how amazing the equipment is and there's so much support and you know the women that are kind of at the top of their game here are just absolutely like shredding and um yeah it's it's really cool to see it, it's it's one of those things that looking back i i would never have imagined it you know you just mm-hmm. you almost can't imagine it yeah um, it's it's really inspiring actually. And the really great thing about surfing is that it it's not something you ever stop learning. At. Yeah. You're always, always getting better. Like I'll be getting better until I'm a hundred years old, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm a grandma and every day I surf, I learn something new. And that's yeah. yeah, it's it's really fun. So for me, you know, my story is you know, actually I find some similarities listening to you and your brothers just because for me I was a, a kid and you know, kind of off to my myself too right and figuring things out and didn't really fit into things so when I found surfing on the Great Lakes um, you know that was a big deal for me but the you know the the intervals in between surfing like it wasn't enough it wasn't consistent enough that I got to go every day and really get polished and so you know when I don't go surfing for a couple months then I get out to Tofino it's always like kind of getting the rust off a little bit and then you know by the end of the weekend you're feeling really good and then you go away for another couple months and then you know it's the same kind of thing so I actually found when I came to Tofino last year and I took that sub surf lesson with you I felt like I learned so much in that probably two or three hours that I hadn't known about in 20 years that is you know really helped me ever since yeah like even some of the things like you know ducking and you know star fishing and some of these things like that that I don't know, seem like no brainers. But when you don't have anybody actually teaching you, like I never had a mentor, I was, you know, completely figuring this out on my own. So, so that was great. I I had a blast during that lesson with you guys. That was so much fun. And then I actually was back just a few months after that. And I got to take part in the big uh, sub symposium, like two or three days of sub surfing. That was just a riot. That's, that's the ticket is that kind of like couple days in a row like that. But that'll make you feel like you're on top of the world for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was better. And then I was, you know, I was getting the angles and things. I wasn't just doing these straight rides, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that must have been like so isolating on the lakes. I can't even, oh, I almost can't even imagine. I mean, that is some extreme pioneering there. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but it sort of makes for a good story. And that's what excites me now is that, you know, I started, that was about 1999 and I was totally by myself. I had, you know, two other friends, they'd come once in a while. Um, But there was this crew from Michigan and they were really hardcore. 
and they were really good surfers. And, you know, they've been in a bunch of movies and things. So I was pretty stoked whenever they came over and I kind of took what I could get from them. So I always knew I was part of something that was bigger than what I saw. But really, it's only been like I've been living in Vancouver since 2008. And it's only been during this last 12 years, I've seen it literally explode, like on the Canadian side. Anyway, I know in the US, there was always something happening. But in Canada, there's multiple shops in Toronto now and all along the Great Lakes. So it's just got me really stoked. Because I mean, for me, the city has always just been like a stopover. You know, we come here, kind of do the career thing for a bit. And then I got to get, we got to get back to that small town life that we grew up closer to nature on the water. So for me, that was always, we're either moving to Tofino and that's our life. Or we're going back home somewhere, somewhere on the water and, and near some place. So that's a bit of a bummer if there was no surf scene. So the fact that there's something for me to go back to now as we're sort of planning this next stage, just got me really excited, actually. Yeah, you might you might find yourself feeling like a big old local putting out the vibe and telling people to get off your waves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I'm actually when I talk to people, I'm kind of getting this credibility. It's sort of funny because <laughs> literally like, yeah, I just felt like, you know, I was made fun of constantly. You can't surf the lake. You can't surf the lake. And then now there's all these other people doing it. And, you know, people yeah. even asking me questions like, you know, how'd you guys, you know, track the weather? What kind of wetsuits did you wear? Stuff like this. Right. I mean, my first similar thing, my first wetsuit was a diving wetsuit, like a two piece bear thing as a farmer john with the top you know and then uh my second surfboard i had it mailed to me and when it arrived it was supposed to be flown but it was you know from the west coast came on a truck so when i got it there's this huge chunk out of the side of it so i had to get it repaired well it's not like i have the local surf shop to take it to so i had to take it to like a sailboard a sailboat repair shop and i mean they didn't really know i mean they were just kind of figuring it out i don't think they knew anything about they're like what is this thing <laughs> yeah like I, they don't know anything about rocker or anything so i don't really know how they repaired it but i don't know it works anyhow yeah so going back to Sometimes you just need something that floats yeah yeah and, and that's what it did and the first wave i rode honestly it was on a uh, a windsurfing board and that's all it took i was just yeah. super stoked yeah so right. what excites me now is and you know this very well is uh the introduction the introduction of stand-up paddle boards i think has really opened up a whole nother realm on the lakes like i really think those boards were made for the lakes and some of those really small days can suddenly be a lot more fun for sure i agree 100 percent. and i mean the beauty too for us here you know even on the nice days when we go out at mckenzie beach when it's knee high or whatever is like i can go out in my bikini which mm -hmm. is unheard of you know the yeah. water's freezing here yeah. uh, maybe at the lakes it's a bit better but just the ability to dress down and kind of shed a layer is for me i really like it you wow. know i love that and i love i, I love the cross training um that paddle surfing gives me i i sort of like default to my shoreboard for sure um but i think paddle boarding will you know it'll be the thing that'll keep me keep me out there till i'm 120 for sure yeah for real yeah. yeah it's been a great form of exercise i know during these covid times i think i would have went mental if i didn't have my paddleboard to at least just go bomb around in false creek yeah that's so cool right on Good yeah so what did that transition look like from surfing to paddleboarding um yeah that was an interesting one we we spent um myself and my ex-husband and, and my two kids we were living in mexico for about 10 years mm -hmm. um so my kids actually grew up there okay and uh we had we lived in a really special place. It was like a little perfect little like Mexican Malibu wave. Um, and I had friends there um, who had friends, you know, where they were from and ties back to Hawaii. And we had a lot of Hawaiians coming with their paddle boards. Um, Jerry Lopez would come down with a bunch wow. of boards and we'd hop on his boards and try. So he's actually the first person I went stand up paddle boarding with. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And he came down and did a little camp and it was incredibly expensive and the guy that was putting it on owned a hotel and I just I just begged him I said can you please just let me do it for free <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll come and clean toilets I don't care <laughs> 
Um, and, uh, and they did, they let me do the camp for free. So I spent, you know, five or seven days with Jerry, um, and his, his, uh, crew and then the other participants of the camp. And, um, yeah, I got the, the most improved award. Um, I'd never been on a paddleboard before and I was trying to surf the thing. And as a surfer, you get on a paddleboard, you have no clue how to use a paddle. Mm -hmm. It's just so backwards, you know, you're paddling backwards and doing everything wrong. So I know, I know very well how to paddle surf wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming from a surf, you know, having no experience with a paddle and not knowing any of my flat water skills um, and just not knowing how to use a paddle at all. So that was pretty hard at the beginning, but I, I did catch on. And then obviously once I was on the wave and reading the waves and stuff was, you know, fairly, fairly natural for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that was basically it. And and then just paddle surfing the little waves on that point when it was small and kind of watching the growth of paddleboard down there first. Okay. And, and I knew I was going to move back to Canada because my daughter was 12 and I, it was just time for us to come home and um, and I didn't really want to compete with the surf schools it was kind of what what I, I was like I, well, I know how to kind of make easy money teaching surfing but my brothers have a surf school and there's so many surf schools I don't want I'll just try to find something different like I just mm. wanted to do something different and I wanted to work on the beach I wanted to work outside I wanted to be sharing my passion and what I my skills that I knew um, I didn't want to freeze my ass off. So I didn't really want to stand in the water pulling people into waves. Uh, um, and I wanted something that my kids could come with me. Mm. No matter what, they could be at the beach with me, they could come on a paddleboard with me, like, it didn't matter. Um, so, you know, with the encouragement of a couple people, you know, that were saying, Oh, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Then I, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to I'm just going to start a paddleboard school and take people out. And, yeah. yeah. And I just started it out of my truck and everyone thought I was crazy. Like no one had even seen a paddleboard in Tofino. They were like, what is this thing? And I was <laughs> like, well, let me show you. I can hang out. I can surf. And I don't even get my hair wet. <laughs> yeah, really? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that happened. And then um, the other really cool thing that, you know, kind of helped me with feeling inspired was um, with Quicksilver because Ra- my brother Raf and I were both um, sponsored by Roxy and Quicksilver. And we had uh, every year they would do this, like they would run this camp for like Quicksilver would come here with uh, a bunch of pros and um, they would bring like their top accounts from the different surf shops around Canada out to Tofino for a week and rent a big house at South Chesterman's. And um, we had like Dave Kalama came that was like oh wow that actually might have been even before the jerry lopez thing yeah i can't remember which one that might have been the very first time i went paddle boarding it was in the waves at cox down by Malby road with dave kalama wow and uh what's that really famous i'm gapping on his name robbie Where? robbie no uh the really famous windsurfer guy like the most oh famous. is it robbie nash okay. robbie nash okay yeah uh like robbie nash of nash and um, I carried a like a heavy whopper all the way down the Maltby Trail, all the way down to the rocks at, at Maltby, at, down at Lando's. And I just was like, holy shit, this sucks. <laughs> I am never yeah. doing this again. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about them. They're a heavy board. Yeah, well, that's why I ride a tiny one now. But okay. I agree. Um, yeah, and then like over the years, like Tom Carroll was here and Barton Lynch and like, um oh so uh, you know just it was it was cool like i got to I, all these guys are so into paddle surfing like they just love it all these ex pros like they are just on it really yeah. so, so what do you think like, the appeal is for everybody these guys i think prob i mean i don't know i should have asked them but maybe you know i would guess that it's it like kind of like how it is for me when you surf so much it's just like a another thing to do like it's another way to ride waves so it's it's entertaining, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, and it's fun. And personally, and I'm sure it's the same for them. Like, I love the challenge. Like, I find it very different than surfing, but so satisfying when I like beat the challenge and I'm like, oh, I got a sick wave and I did a really good turn on this giant board with this yeah. paddle. And um, yeah, so, you know, and also, you know, they're older guys. I don't know. I'm sure yeah. their shoulders are maybe shot from paddling on their stomachs their whole lives and it's and it's great exercise like it's absolutely epic cross training yeah. and if waves aren't pumping why wouldn't you want to be on a paddleboard yeah you know? i know it's a hell of a core workout and i find you can get 
to the back way quicker. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but when I went with you for the first time, yeah, I was get, I was thrown off by some of the things. The thing that kept getting me was the fact that I could catch a wave just in my square stance. Yeah, I kept trying to go into surfer stance, but then that wasn't working out. And then, yeah. and then you told me you're like, no, just stay in square stance, and then tr-. I kept thinking I had to make the shift before the wave came. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you you said something to me and I did it after and that changed everything. That was like, wow, that just took so much of the difficulty out of this for me. For sure. I mean, because the difficulty is is basically pivot turning. If you're already in your surf stance, pivot turning into the wave with speed while it's bumpy and choppy and you're trying to get your position right and all this stuff's going on. And you know, if if you're not super proficient at that, that is it's just such an added challenge. And it is necessary to surf like that if the waves are big and they're steep. Like you can't you can't paddle in in your square stance, obviously, because you need to be able to sh- do some weight shifting. But um, but yeah, if you, I mean, if you take a student out in one foot surf and it's you know soft and inconsequential, like then then that wave allows for that you know paddling into it within your square stance, which in your case, if you've never done it, is way more um, familiar and comfortable. Yeah. And, and that's a, it's a great stepping stone, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and then the great thing about that is you can go home and paddle Falls Creek or your local lake or whatever, and practice those pivot turns till you got them nailed. And the next time you come out, then you'll pivot turn into waves, yeah. you know? So yeah, some, some fun, uh, lots of fun transferable skills from the flat water and the, and the surf, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. So that's really cool that you found your niche and you, wow. Yeah. Because I mean, Tofino is so saturated with surf schools. It's incredible that you could carve something out for yourself. Um, so how do you feel about when new things come out? I mean, now there's foiling, there's e-foils. <laughs> I mean, are we yeah, going to see I mean, these things at an e-foil school? Or what was the last thing you said? I said, you know, are we going to see like an e-foil school out in Tofino? Or, <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, kite I, I don't know. I mean, you know, foiling, maybe foiling is a little bit different, but I kind of think it's not. And I could be totally wrong and maybe... People think I'm, you know, being an ass for saying this, but I kind of feel like a lot of the sports that come about are because like, sorry, like sports kind of related to surfing are come about because people don't have access to good waves. So if you can go like people here surf and they don't paddle surf and they don't windsurf and they don't kiteboard and they and it's because we have waves 365 days a year. And in my mind, and again, I could be wrong surfing is actually the best it is the most fun thing you can do out of all those so you know I, like I even like, what's that it's like the source you know like it's the so, mothership and everything is yeah and everything else is kind of like fluff like you do it because the conditions are right you know boiling started because they were trying to paddle into jaws and it, there was too much chop on the wave so they're like mm-hmm. oh well, then they you know layered in the dave or whatever they invented the foil and it's made for surfing 100 foot waves with chop that you could never survive on on a surfboard yeah so you know and and i know like a lot of my friends in maui they all foil and they all you know do the kite foiling and all that but they do that because it's so windy that they can't surf but i can guarantee you on a flat or on a on a good day where there's no wind blowing and it's glassy they aren't saying oh damn i wish it was windy so i could go foiling they're grabbing the surfboards and they're like paddling out there as fast as they can you know um so i yeah i don't know and and again like it's fun to have those other things to do if you live in a place where the water is warm, the air is boiling hot, and you need to find ways to get in the water. That, you know, that's kind of the other funny thing you're around here is I, I think people don't necessarily go too far out of their way to get in the water necessarily, because putting on a wetsuit and jumping in the cold water is hard enough to do on a good day to do something you absolutely love, like go surfing, let you know, you're not going to be like, Oh, you know, I'm really bored. It's so hot out. I want to like jump in the ocean right now. Like it, it does happen, but it's not the same. It's not like running out in the ocean in your board shorts that you're sitting on the couch wearing, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a certain level of, of motivation for sure here. And um, yeah, I think it's fun to have personally. I think it's really fun to have different tools to use in different conditions. Yeah. And I'm really 
happy that I'm not limited to just one thing or the other. I'm really stoked that I can, if the conditions call for it, I'll grab my paddleboard. If the conditions call for it, I'll grab my shortboard or my longboard or my boogie board or my fins and my hand plane, you know? Um, and, and I think that's kind of the ultimate way to go for sure. And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious because I've seen those foil boards and I've seen videos of people just, you know, totally flat water jumping off a dock onto it and pumping it. And they're able to to get a ride, you know. So that seems like a cool deal if you can do that. Totally, yeah, yeah. With the with the um the energy of the wave and the swell. Yeah. That's, I guess that's the same as when they. I've never tried it, but when they, mm-hmm. I have lots of friends who do it. But when they do that pumping thing, it's like trying to gather the energy and yeah, it's that's it's pretty neat. it looks really fun. I got it. Yeah, it looks like it'd be a good core workout too. Yeah. So but, how long has uh, Tofino Paddle Surf been around? Uh, we opened in 2009. Wow, 11 years. Yeah. And so the location I was at, what was that again? Was that Mackenzie Beach? It was at Mackenzie Beach, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where's the new location you were mentioning? We're still there at Mackenzie Beach at the Tinwis at the same resort there. Um, but they've actually, they had like a little hut right, right down on the beach. Okay. Um, so they moved us down there and we, you know, expanded. We put a big like boardroom on the back and we, you know, kind of like expanded the front to have a bit of retail space and we built a big deck and <laughs> we're just like living the dream down there. Like it wow. is really awesome. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, when we when we were building the deck, we just kept joking. We're just like, well, we don't really care if anyone shows up. We'll just hang here, yeah, <laughs> and enjoy the view, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. We're happy. Well, I hope to come check it out if Tofino, yeah. you know, allows me to to come in. I'm not sure. Uh, I know the doors are sort of open now, but I've been told it's pretty hard to find a campsite. So yeah, you are definitely invited. Um, whether you can find a place to stay or not is probably another question. I I would say if you're planning on it even in the like next couple months you might want to look at accommodation right away because someone told me today that they um their parents tried to book a hotel room at the tinwis in august and it was like chock full can't get room little little tidbit there (laughs) little thanks for that uh Yeah, piece of info. Well, so, we're um, we're trying to build a little vacation rental now. I saved up money my whole life and got together with a few people. We bought a little piece of property, so hopefully, we'll have a place for you to stay sooner than later. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask, what are what's the future for you? What do you see in terms of the paddle school, or what's next for you? Yeah, I'm just you know I'm really encouraging. We we have some really great longtime staff, um, Jake, and now my son's working with us, and just really you know encouraging them to kind of take some ownership and and really work as a as a team you know and um yeah we're getting a little bit more into the coaching and you know we've been doing some kind of video coaching um and different stuff like that and uh yeah it's just exciting like the level of surfing and, and subsurfing and stuff and the, the clientele is changing so we're kind of trying to adapt with that um and we're doing some kind of remote stuff with one of the local um airline like float plane companies mm-hmm. Leo Air. we're going to do some like heli stuff and some float plane adventures um yeah it's all very exciting and then my you know my kind of personal uh personal future you know near future goals is just to keep surfing my brains out and um get my garden going and yeah get our little vacation rental started and our little we're building a little cabin and get moved out onto our property and um yeah just hang out sounds like the perfect bucket list (laughs) yeah it's pretty pretty short you know yeah hot air balloons or anything like that in there but oh, that's all right short but perfect yeah <laughs> so you know other than surfing then i'm curious you don't watch television that's fine but what else are you stoked about you mentioned gardening just now yeah i'm super stoked on learning you know more about gardening i love wild crafting um just kind of anything that's in season at the time nettles i love picking the clover and really kind of get, getting in that groove of, of kind of eating the stuff that's growing around me because I know that's probably the best for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm always trying to learn more about that. That's something I'd like to be able to focus on more. Um, and yeah, and just supporting my my family, really, my kids, my granddaughter. I take her surfing. She's only two, but she loves wow. it. Loves that's it. amazing. 
like the waves. I want to go in the waves. And, um, and all my nieces and nephews and, you know, just staying close to family is a, is a really big priority. So I'm really stoked that we have a big family and everyone's here. So yeah. that makes me really happy. And um, yeah, just continuing to, to do my best to help, you know, kind of preserve our, our precious, uh, precious planet. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it going. I, I thank you for Keep all going, your, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thank you for all your efforts you're doing. And uh, I'll pitch in however I can. Hey, so before I let you go, we're coming up here on the hour. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you've done all these cool things, you know, surfed all over the world, championships, uh, Olympics, you know, uh, having children, all these things. I'm curious, what are you the most proud of? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really ever thought about this, but I would probably say one of the things that I'm most proud of um, is that I, I really, it's not even like I try, but I, I do live in the moment. Um, and I really try to enjoy every day, like it potentially could be my last. And if I can't do that, it upsets me in the day. But um, but I really, I really do enjoy every day for what it is. And I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud that I, that I can do that. That's cool. And, I will say this, that during this COVID time, um, I was working during the first few months of it from home. And then I was supposed to go back to work sometime in May. And then they called me a few days before and said, actually, we're laying you off for the summer. Your job will resume in, in September. And they were telling me like as if I was going to be bummed out or something. I mean, I went crazy. I was stoked. I'm like, that is the best news I've heard all day. Like, I, I was so happy happy yeah i mean that's awesome i'm happy yeah. and so i find that you know doing that i was able to start focusing more and, and make sure that i do my yoga practice every day and things like that and so i find that when i'm doing those things for myself and i'm oper i'm operating in that frequency i feel what you're saying like every day feels full of joy and there seems to be a lot more possibilities like just in these past few weeks operating with this kind of mindset I'm thinking I can't go back to thinking any other way because when you start thinking when money is not the priority and you start thinking about happiness or family or something else is as monetary value, it sort of changes everything. Yeah, yeah, I know it really opens up like a whole realm of potential really for all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I'm happy for you. Yeah, thank you. So okay, Catherine, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. This was really rad. And before I let you go, do you have anything you know, you want to say to the audience or plug or <laughs> or find you on this network or that one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty ill prepared when it comes to that, but um I I do just want to say that, you know, if if you guys are into Fino and and uh you've come to our shop or you come to our shop and you know, we really honestly value each and every person that walks through our doors. Um we're a very small business and uh, yeah, we just, we appreciate every person that comes to, to high five and uh, surf with us. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I felt that. I felt like I made friends when I was there. It wasn't just a lesson, like people were interested in me and yeah, it was a really great experience. Oh, cool. I'm really happy to hear that. Well, it was great meeting you when you were out and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, we will be talking again and I, I'm going to pay attention. I'll, I'll stay in the loop with you on that vacation rental. So I have some <laughs> Day. right on <laughs> it's funny when we started talking i could see you and your laundry now it's just totally oh. dark <laughs> oh god i'm so sorry <laughs> no, I gotta, it's cool i gotta work on the circadian rhythm you know i can't turn the lights on <laughs> perfect no it's great yeah i'll feel those vibes all right Catherine, thank you so much mahalo to you and stay stoked you too <laughs> That's all for another episode of Permastoke. I hope you enjoyed listening or watching. Again, I'd like to say mahalo to Catherine Brewaller for being a guest on our show and giving us a glimpse into her cool life. And I also have to say thank you to her for her help last week in getting me a campsite at Bella Pacifica Campground in Tofino. They were so booked. They had so many emails, 6,000 emails 
of backlog that they weren't even answering their phone. So the only way to get a campsite was to just show up or have a friend run over and book it for you. So I thank Catherine for getting me that campsite and allowing me to have a nice week of surfing because of her generosity. You can follow Catherine's adventures online at tofinopaddlesurf.com, on Instagram at kathbrewiler and at tofinopaddle, and on Facebook at Catherine Brewiler and at Tofino Paddle Surf. And as well, mahalo to the Planet Smashers and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album, Life of the Party. And we want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing us with our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, from their 2009 album entitled Crash Monster Beach, and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. Be sure to check them out and download their music on iTunes today. And we especially want to say mahalo to all you listeners out there. We're so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future, because there are more episodes on their way. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you enjoyed listening or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review, and share with your family and friends over social media or by telling people about it. You can also watch the show by visiting our YouTube channel, Freshwater Surf Goods. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on new products, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. We are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us out with new product designs for the brand. We need photographers to provide some great lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. We want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach SUP or yoga, or if you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfkids.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfkids.com. And finally, Freshwater Surf Goods, our SUP school, Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing, and the Permastoke Podcast are all currently based out of Vancouver, B.C., with the intention of relocating to the Great Lakes region. My preference is to move somewhere along the coast of Lake Huron between Concarden and Sauble Beach to get that good surf and be in the woods somewhere. But we are open to other coastal communities in Southern Ontario. If you have any advice on how I might bring my business there and get set up, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I understand that I may need to get a real job for a while, so my education and work background is primarily in Native community work frontline emergency social service work, and coordinating both long-term and short-term nonprofit programs and projects. If you have any leads or suggestions around potential employment opportunities or relocation services, and how we might make the transition from the West Coast back to Ontario, it would be greatly appreciated. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.